Hello, hello, friends, and welcome back to another action-packed episode of the Nintendo's Podcast, the Nintendo podcast where we talk about games both new and old. I am the first of today's two-pack of co-hosts, Brayden, and on the other end of the screen, I have... Connor, the other half of the pack of co-hosts. We come in a bundle, two for the price of one. And we're cheap, too, the low, low price of free. We're, and, and we're like a bargain podcast, too. Unless you're on Spotify Premium, I guess. Hey, we're commercial free. We we, we, we ain't there yet. Maybe maybe one day. Maybe we'll subject <laughs> you to some commercials one day. But for now, we're low lives. Welcome to Nintendo's. Woo! We have a really fun episode for you today, actually. I've been hyping this episode up on Instagram for a while now. True. I'm glad we're finally getting around to discussing at least my game. I've been playing Neo The World Ends With You, which is a long-awaited sequel that I discussed on the podcast before it was even announced, to be honest. I don't know. We'll, we'll get into all that. Mm-hmm. And then Connor, he's he's kind of a... He's dragged a gem out of the treasure chest. The bottom, <laughs> perhaps. A, uh, not quite a diamond in the rough. It's kind of just like a cool, shiny rock in the rough. Yeah. That you like show your friends. We'll, we'll, we'll save that reveal that's in the title uh, for later, I guess. Yeah. But for now, you, you want to discuss The World Ends With You with me? I know it's your favorite series. Yeah, I would, I would certainly love to try to discuss The World Ends With You with you. I have not played the original in any capacity. I didn't play it on the DS, nor the mobile version, nor the recent-ish Switch version. <laughs> I did not do my homework. I did not listen to the The World Ends With You episode no worries. in preparation for the podcast. Because you weren't on that episode anyway, were you? Yeah, right. That's correct. With my loose intention being to one day play The World Ends With You, I feel like that's kind of been my MO with like avoiding info on it, sort of. Mm-hmm. Just because I know mm-hmm. that the plot itself takes twists and turns and I mean the gameplay is something else and it's kind of hard to like put into words anyway like you kind of have to experience it and I obviously have not gotten my hands on it yeah but all that being said with my loose understanding of the the series as it is now at this point yes I'm curious to learn more and how it's evolved and developed in a pseudo-ish sequel 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 would you call it a sequel straight sequel I'll get into yes so I, I, I'll <laughs> gotten into there you go. Yeah, it is. It is, you know, fair and square, actually a sequel. One hundred percent. You can't say otherwise. And I don't think that's a spoiler. Uh, that said, I do plan on avoiding most major spoilers. But some of the key characters, uh, you know, just they they roll out of the classic The World Ends With You spoiler book. Like you said, the whole game is just full of twists and turns. The first one was, and this one follows suit. Mm. So I'm I'm just going to touch lightly on certain aspects, and maybe I'll give you a little bit of a warning. If you don't want to know anything about the first game or this game, maybe skip this whole segment, get to the gym part of the episode, you know, just... But that's a great way to start this discussion, because yes, it is <laughs> a direct sequel, and... I wasn't sure what to expect and whether that was going to be the case. As you mentioned, we did an episode on the first game, and it's one of my favorite games of all time. When they re-released it on the Switch, calling it Final Remix, they added this bonus chapter that didn't exist in the original version, and I think it was on a mobile port or something like that, but I'd never played it before. 
and it was based in this alternate reality, so it wasn't totally intertwined with the original game, but it was the same characters, introducing some new characters, some new, like, twists and turns, but it was all alternate reality, and I didn't pay it any mind. Like, additional context for the plot, maybe? Like, additional, like, world building? Yes, exactly. And I kind of just wrote it off as, you know, DLC, essentially, you know, not not to be taken too seriously, not canon for any. I did not consider it like canon to the game that I had originally played, if that makes sense. They introduced some strong, heavy themes and characters that just they didn't flesh out and you could tell they wanted to. Those were the only clues I had in expecting a sequel. And when they finally announced Neo, The World Ends With You as a sequel, not only releasing for Switch, but also for PS4 and PC. I thought it was a Nintendo Switch exclusive because that's what it was announced on, right? Uh, like a Nintendo Direct? I do believe you're correct, but no, it was also released for PlayStation 4 and yes, uh, confirmed Windows gaming. You know, I, I'm sure it was Steam or something like that. Interesting. And all that said, it's also a Square Enix game. Do you know if any of the original team, like whatever director or whatever development team, development studio worked on the original The World Ends With You was on this one at all? I mean, it's been like over a decade since the original came out. So that might be kind of like a, uh, it might be a little far-fetched that it would have like similar if or identical development teams. But surely like some of the original creator's vision is in this one, right? Oh, 100%. Any idea? And like the whole script was, was written by one guy and he had a massive vision for just this whole world. And he he was brought back to write Neo The World Ends With You as well to continue okay. his his vision. And so that said, I all right, it is a sequel, but it's a brand new game. It follows a, a new set of characters from the first game. Mm -hmm. You start the game following a, a new protagonist. You can tell right off the bat. His name is Rindo and his best friend, Fret. Uh, they find themselves encountering these kind of like supernatural experiences and these monsters start appearing around them in Shibuya, Japan, Tokyo, that is. Does it take place in a Neo Tokyo or something? Like, is that what they call it? No, it's Shibuya. And okay, I might I feel like I'm like easily conflating it with something else. Maybe mm -hmm. like the Tokyo Mirage Fire Emblem thingy. Right, right. I don't know. But Neo colon, the world ends with you, I That's guess. That's correct. Uh huh. And I think Neo is fully capitalized. So, sure. you know, I, I, it's just super stylized. So Rindo and Fret, they're in Shibuya, which is the same location as the first game. And weird things start happening around them. Monsters appear. They start getting attacked by them. And they realize they are in a game. Surprise, if you've played the first game, which I assume you have, going into this you know, obvious sequel of a game, you are playing some life and death game that is essentially part of the afterlife. It slowly unfolds itself. I described it as a lost-like situation in the, the original mm. episode. Mm -hmm. and, and by that, I mean Lost the TV show, if you've ever seen it. It's well known to be just full of dead ends and unanswered questions and strange left turns just you know just yeah like you said just like 
plot twist after plot twist. Right. Without without any immediate payoff, at least, I'm I'm sure. That's right. Left turns that only pay off at like the very end, like a grand reveal, as it were. That's right. A larger mystery. And so this game is just full of these mysteries that these characters are obviously not privy to. And they fight their way to the top and they tr- they're trying to win back their life. that They can come back to life. And yeah, so that's the premise of the game. All that said, it sounds very similar to the first one. Mm. Is is that premise up to this point? Is that a similar or identical premise to the first one? It is. In the first one, Neku Sakuraba, who is that orange-haired dude in the purple clothes that, you know, is super cool. And actually, I learned something recently, that those characters from the first game were featured in a Kingdom Hearts game. And so they were exposed to a whole crowd that I was unaware of. Dream Drop Distance, if you've ever heard of that Kingdom Hearts game. Yeah, the 3DS one. Exactly. They were one of the worlds that you could visit. No. The world ends with, yep. And they were one of the first, well, they were the first non-Disney, non-Final Fantasy world to be introduced. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. But it's also like, do they have the same director? Tetsuya Nomura? Yeah. Yeah, that's the guy. The World Ends With You guy? Yeah. That also makes a lot of sense. Mostly the character design, I feel like, generally. Too many zippers and belts. Yes, you're absolutely right. Well, that's a huge thing in the World Ends With You universe and Shibuya in general. It's just fashion. Lots of zippers and belts? Yes. Fashion, baby. There's a point to where over-design is dangerously close. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I get you. But yes, those characters were exposed to a new audience that I did not realize that they were exposed to, you know, Mm. whether they played the original game or not, people knew these characters. And so when Neo, the world ends with you, slowly started to reveal that this was three years after the original game, things started to get a little weird. Because they started introducing characters from the first game. And at first I was like, I don't know, this doesn't feel right. Like, people may not know who they are. Why do you say that? Do you, like, because people would have played the first game before. Are you, is this, is this assuming that people have played the first game first? Who do you think this game is for? Is is this for, is this a sequel? Is it for people that obviously played The World Ends With You and... Like, kind of obviously so, because the original is now also on Switch and other platforms. Mm -hmm. Or is this, like, a soft reboot revival? Oh, man. Like, who are you? What audience are you speaking for in this way? Like, about, like, the world showing up in Kingdom Hearts and, like, the characters showing up from the first game. Like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, to me, I'm... It seems like it's a sequel. And that's pretty... I don't know. I mean, you, you know better than I. No, you you said it in there because that's the problem. It it's it's too down the middle. These characters mm. that are from the original game are introduced in this game as if we've never met them before, and they're super watered down and don't do anything other than to. It, it feels like fan Be service like, more or less. Yeah, like, that's what I was about to say. They like, are they in, they integrate them into the storyline like quite heavily but it still doesn't it's like why are you here it could have been a different story or something uh Hmm. like the whole gang i it's all right spoiler alert i guess but like neku's in there shiki's in there 
Beats in there, sure. rhymes in there, Josh Joshua's in there. And these are characters that like maybe I don't mean with my understanding, possibly presumably died in the first game or something. No, not necessarily. You, we don't know what happens to them in, at the end of the first game, really. Presumably they come back to life, but it turns out they've been like doing weird superhero-like things in the last three years. They've been trying to like save other cities from this game. The same fate that, you know, they saved the Shibuya from in the first game, like, and then they come back and they're, it's just, it it feels very ham-fisted, very contrived, and it's unfortunate because I love the world that they've established. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of, like, weird kind of biblical symbolism and, like, just lots of philosophical questions at play you know just about the afterlife and this is already reminding me of um the xenoblade chronicles x discussion that's where i remember you mentioning lost most recently the tv show is like when you're talking about the story the plot for uh xenoblade chronicles x and it was like what's the afterlife what is life wow interesting you know yeah 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 what do you do with life is that is that is it generally similar themes no it's much more angst driven and like uh, sure right i'm lonely and is it worth coming back to life or not like it's very modern and mm-hmm. hip and like trendy and based in modern life like some of the characters are wearing masks and stuff like you know what i mean it's not like oh really? they don't say covid but they're like you know like it, it's not a thing in the game but like you know it masks mm. they they incorporated them but it's like Nomura's like version of punk and hip and cool though, right? Yeah. Like it's like a weird pseudo, like kind of twisted pseudo fashion. Over style. the top like it's, 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 as well. Kind of intentionally. It's punk in that like it's like there's like traditional like skulls and like edgy stuff, but also punk in the in that it just kinda like is breaking the rules of fashion and what's cool. Right. To carve its own thing. You're right. And the soundtrack kind of follows suit the soundtrack is phenomenal by the way the the same goes mm. for the original game they kind of just remixed a lot of the tracks and introduced a few new ones and stuff but just they they follow like these hyper they're kind of like these extreme representations of genres like you know, there's rap and like hip-hop incorporated with like heavy metal kind of like screamo type stuff and it's all just to represent mm. just the trendiness of Shibuya and like the edginess of of pop culture and stuff like that, which it does represent really well. The soundtrack is just really good. But you're right. That's kind of the whole vibe of the game is poppy and pop punk. Yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's that's a good one. So cool. Plot, music, style, fashion. How the hell does it play? What kind of what it, what are we doing here? So it kind of divides itself into two categories i'd say and the first category i didn't realize until i played this sequel and i guess i'll start there it's it's a freaking visual novel dude i didn't realize it playing the game originally Mm. i guess because i'd never played a visual novel before you know when i i was 13 and playing the world ends with you for the first time i just assumed like i was reading a lot and that was part of the game or something I'd never heard of a visual novel. And and it was the action sequences that got me through, you know, between these long dialogue sequences. And now playing the sequel, I realize well, like 
okay, this game probably qualifies as a visual novel. I mean, okay. I think you're kind of on a knife's edge here because, like, that's kind of... You could almost say that about, like, traditional Japanese RPGs because, like, that's what the gameplay is. It's, like, exploring a vague overworld, lots and lots of dialogue and plot broken up by the battle sequences. Yes. Like, that's kind of classic JRPG in a nutshell, sort of. And, like, is there just, like, is there any exploration See, to See, that's the had? thing, is the overworld is incredibly small. Like, it's it's Shibuya made mm-hmm. up of maybe 15 total areas that they, there's no exploration to them at all. They are a means to get mm-hmm. to the next area, essentially. And they're cool. There are shops on, sure. in them, and different enemies appear in different areas and stuff. But, like, once you get halfway through the game the whole map opens up and you can go anywhere you need to at any point and it's just it's just not that big and so exploration the overworld Mm -hmm. is not part of the not necessarily part of the key experience i would say that's fair i don't know i i guess i wouldn't and again i haven't played it myself nor Mm -hmm. the original i would say Especially after we've covered a visual novel ourselves mm-hmm. on this on this show at this point, which is interesting to think about, just because a especially a like a game that is like otherwise classically like categorized as like a Japanese RPG, like just because it's a little dialogue and plot heavy, mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I don't think it falls into like a visual novel genre, even though it might have some elements because it's still got it's still based around like the RPG. Like even I don't know. I think it's. I think it's habitual for the genre to be broken up into here's the plot here's breaking up the plot for a rpg battles in a pocket dimension that's like pretty separate you know but they're pretty divisible sure as it were and that's totally fair i would love you know uh hey listeners let let me know what you think let us know what you think because Mm -hmm. at the same time i hear what you're saying and i wonder you may be right, but I wonder if you're underestimating how much dialogue there really is. Sure, and that's possible. And like the way they present them is in these like speech bubbles, and so it's not like a dialogue box at the bottom. It's very stylish and flashy and like cool. You know what I mean? It's it's presented in an interesting way. It reads kind of like a a moving comic book at times. Mm. But and and they do a great job. There is so much dialogue, they keep it interesting. And the story is obviously great, so you want to keep reading. But I just, there, there's a lot of reading. I checked my Switch before we started recording, and I have 65 hours logged in this game. And I would, I always shave off like a solid 15, you know, when I have a, such a high number like that. Like, I assume I've left it on for some number of hours, and I'm a, I'm a humble guy. So right. like, I'll shave off 15, I don't know, but mm. 50 hours. I wonder how much of that was spent reading versus fighting. And that does lead me into the other portion of the game, which are the battles, the fighting, the the gameplay. gameplay. And it's it's leveled up. It's fascinating how they reinterpreted this incredibly unique and fascinating system that they, that was on the DS originally like that incorporated both like the touch screen and the the d-pad and everything like it, it was a, an amazing system right give like a brief recap of the evolution of the combat because it 
it was very unique for the DS. The big drawing point was how unique the combat was and that it could kind of only work functionally on the DS, like with the two screens and the buttons and the touchpad. But they kind of, it seemed like they successfully adapted it for the Nintendo Switch and for mobile, like into a way that was different, but still made sense. Not quite the same experience, but like still adequate enough and still enough to like serve the gameplay. And then we have this new one that is in full 3D juxtaposed to like the 2D plane, the 2D sprites from the originals. Describe brief, I mean, just because we've already covered it, describe briefly the original combat and how it's kind of like changed with each release and iteration. Yeah, absolutely. Mostly just for me, but also for the sure, audience. Sure, yeah. So the DS, like I said, was something just fascinating and very unique. It was also a theme of the game that you had a partner. You were Neku, and you had different partners throughout the game, but you were a duo. So you controlled Neku on the bottom screen and his partner on the top screen. The stylus you used on the bottom screen to control Neku, and you would either tap or swipe to unleash different attacks. You know, there were different commands you had to perform with the stylus. And then you used the directional pad to control the character on the top screen, who was kind of a little less involved. It was more of like a a mini game than it was true combat. But you could build combos. You were absolutely dealing damage on the top screen. And each partner that Neku had throughout the game had like a different kind of attack pattern on the top screen that you had to to learn and master. Mm-hmm. And it's real time, right? It's, it's real time. Oh, combat. yeah. There's no turn based involved. Dare I say, do I remember correctly? Is it like kind of rhythm gamey? Like, is there a musical element to it? Or am I making that up? No, you're they definitely kind of advertised it that way. And there is a rhythm in that, like, you build combos between bouncing kind of the the energy puck between the two screens at, at perfect intervals, you know what I mean, between mm-hmm. the two characters. Yeah, maybe it's just, like, the visual representation of it looked, like, reminiscent of, like, elite beat agents. Is that, do you know what I mean if I say that? I absolutely do. And I swear you're not wrong that they okay. also marketed <laughs> it that way. The soundtrack really was just... Okay. super sure. hard hitting as well yes Distinct. and so i think that was just the whole style they went for at least marketing wise right and so that makes sense to me on the ds and it changed somewhat to adapt for a switch port and for like single screen platforms that's right the the switch worked well at least in portable you you could still touch the screen and kind of swipe necro around but it was still on this 2d plane and you use the directional mm. pad to kind of uh, the partner play was m- much worse, but it still felt like the game and it was fine. It was it was passable. Did it stuff it onto one screen or did you have to like switch between the two or something? No, it stuffed it onto one screen, but but it didn't feel like you had a partner really as much. It, they just didn't feel as important. I guess they would kind of have to neuter it a little exactly. bit to compromise. Right. That's how the first one played o- across its various iterations and. Yes, here we are at a brand new sequel that is not just a port or, a you know, kind of a remake. A brand Neo sequel. And they go full 3D, man. Sure, I would hope so. They go full 3D pocket dimension, as you say. But uh, it's interesting. As I said, they they featured a duo in the first game. The rules have changed for the game that's within the game. Mm. They have expanded it to a 
limitless team in this iteration of the mm-hmm. reapers game that's taking place within the world ends with you that our heroes are playing out right now the rules have changed your team can be as big as you can make it essentially which they incorporate into the battle system each of the characters that you mm-hmm. acquire for your team up to six characters by the end of the game you can assign to a button on your joy con there's X and Y, there's right trigger, left trigger, right button, left button, and each character can equip a pin. And when I say that, that's P-I-N. My wife always makes fun of me for saying pen and pen together, but it's pin. Um, and that was a that was yeah. a mechanic in the original, yes? Pins or or decals or something? Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. They're called they were pins in the first game as well. Each pin represented a different attack a different power some of them were like energy blasts some of them were you know laser swords some of them cast lightning balls Mm. some of them healed you you know what i mean they they it was just a representation of the spell system of the world ends with you world sure weapons essentially yeah power-ups armor yes and so you assign a pin to each character and each pin, you know, will take up the RB slot, the Y slot, whatever. And is this like each character would equip a pin and you press that character's button to activate that pin? So like as the story progresses, you get one to two to four to six characters and you just like unlock the ability to use that many pins progressively as the game goes on? Precisely. Yes. And cool. so that sounds good. It sounds fun. Oh, boy. But weirdly enough, it comes out to a really just watered down. It's definitely fun, but it doesn't live up to the battle system that the first game created. Like, it's incredibly generic, to be perfectly honest. It's fun to build your deck with the hundreds of pins that they've created. And, like, the pins are essentially a -a collect-a-thon. Like, like I said, there's, like, 300 or something like that, and they evolve – and they like get stronger and level up and all that kind of stuff. Like they literally use the word evolve. And you know, my little monster catching brain is like, ah, perfect. <laughs> you gotta um, get them. Gotta get them. Gotta evolve them. And so it's fun. It's great. But just by the end of it, when everything is said and done, it really turns out to be just like a really kind of generic action game. You know, you, you'll assign your, your blaster to your X button, your, close range attack to your y button does it feel kind of like a normal like i don't know i guess action game is applicable because it's in full 3d i guess is is where whatever my question Mm -hmm. is or was going i'm trying to think of something comparable everything everything i've played so like recently is just like too hardcore i feel like but Mm -hmm. does it feel like i don't know hyrule warriors like something a little button mashy or something yeah it definitely does it's it's almost that's a great one. Kind of just like a, a Hyrule Warriors, like uh, very much a hack. Dynasty and a, Warriors? Yeah, di- yeah, exactly. Kind of the Dynasty Warriors model-ish, but like the enemies take more damage than that. And so it, it, at that rate, it kind of feels like a, a God of War kind of almost just mm-hmm. the way the each button has a different attack. You know what I mean? And yeah. And so it's interesting, like you can press the X button and use your energy blast six times and then it has to recharge over three seconds. And so cooldowns and stuff. Exactly. It's there's there's the rhythm as, you know, the game kind of advertises again, 
you know, there's there's some timing involved, but but it's not as it's just not as unique or distinct as the original. Absolutely, it's definitely not. And I was hoping that they really had something impressive and like new when when they were going to revive such an iconic title. Sure. Does it feel like this was their attempt at bringing it organically to 3D or do you think like it feels a little phoned in inherently or what what other ways of translating this battle system into 3D like would you would you imagine? Right. Well, yes. So I I mean I do I did wish for more and maybe they could have incorporated some of the 2D art that like makes up the vis- you know the the cutscenes and stuff the dialogue you incorporate that into the battle system or something it's all absolutely 3D is it not as stylish it's oh it's definitely not stylish it feels like dragon ball z kind of you know what i mean it that's i think okay. that's that's kind of a great just kind of like uh, descriptor for how it ends up feeling which you know it can be fun and sure. exciting and explosions and like when you get a good rhythm with your pins like ah it feels real good to just like destroy these enemies on the hardest difficulty which doesn't get super mm. hard but i mean well so uh, you played it on the yes i played it on the hardest difficulty the whole way through the actual game was not much of a challenge but the bosses had like such an inflated difficulty ceiling mm. that like you obviously had to revisit at a later time like in a new game plus sort of fashion huh i remember you way back in the day getting stuck on a like stuck on a particular spot in the DS version. Does it feel kind of like that? Yes. Uh, yes, exactly. You're just like not and, leveled enough or something? Well, and at this point in my life, like having played the game, the first game multiple times now, that is basically an artificial like skill ceiling. Like I'm still convinced there's like a boss that you can't beat in this game at like the normal level if you don't grind absurdly you know, without going down mm. to normal difficulty. So you you, right. you can get up to hard through most of the game, and later on you do unlock the ultimate difficulty. But, like, I, I had been playing the whole game on hard, breezing through it, and then there's just this boss who is a brick wall. I toned it down to normal, and, you know, I got through him. But that's, mm. I don't know, that, that doesn't feel right. Sure. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I mean... And maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just lame. So I don't know. The... The difficulty wasn't there. It didn't bring anything new to the table that I hadn't played in, yes, like you said, Hyrule Warriors mm-hmm. in the last year. And Well, it kind of explains why, I don't know, I sort of had to drag talking about the gameplay out of you a little bit and why yeah. you started so hard with the plot and, and, the, and everything else. Well, at, at the end of the day, it does not feel like an earned sequel. Like they didn't. Mm. Is the story worth telling? No, absolutely not. Oh, like damn, <laughs> no. that's pretty major. Um, it's it's pretty unfortunate. Like the direction that they actually took the story, in my opinion. Like, wow, this is um, not the conclusion that I was expecting. Yeah, see, I just I I I am a little bittersweet on the whole game. It's fun to revisit the the Reapers game and the seven day game that they put you through to come back to life. And then, you know, like inherently they extend the game to another week and then another week. And so like each day is Mm. its own chapter. And so it's fun to, to relive that system. 
I, I actually wish they had separated it a little bit more from the original game. I think they could have told a better story without, mm. without trying to shoehorn in some of the characters and I guess even story elements from the first game, they could have just kind of started over. Even, I mean, would you say even like the game mechanics, like if, if it separated itself more and like build itself less as a, like a sequel or even like a spinoff and more as like its own thing with just a similar style, do you think you would appreciate what it did more? I actually probably would, yeah. If this, if Neo were like its own original entry, it would feel more fresh in a way. Absolutely, actually, because now or that more we're, distinct, have its own identity. We're getting, you're getting a little closer to to what I did enjoy because I loved the characters that they created for this game: Rindo, Fret, Shoka. The new characters in this game and their relationships were actually the best part of this game. They should have just stuck with them, told their story, and they did. Their stories ended pretty amazingly, but bringing back Neku and Shiki and Beat, you know, just it it wasn't necessary. And their story had been told and it definitely felt like I couldn't decide if they were doing another alternate universe thing or if they were just retconning a lot from like the first game. It sounds like it needed to either choose to be a direct sequel or a soft reboot of like the franchise of the story of the property Mm -hmm. and it got stuck in the middle. Yeah, it's a very it just feels like a watered down experience. It was not entirely what I was hoping for. That said, my switch does say I spent 65 hours with it and it like I said, it did feel good to return to. Shibuya in The World Ends With You and like I said just the Reaper's game and the philosophical implications that it introduced me sure. to in the first game and that it, it does expand on. It's one of your on. favorite games. Yes. It, it, the first one will forever be one of my favorite games. It's like playing it as a labor of love. Yes. Like for what you wanted it to be. For the original, you know? Absolutely. And there's a lot of post-game content too. Um, just like the first game, which I didn't realize until like years after, because like you said, I got stuck on this weird boss, blah, blah, blah. I was young. But yeah, there's a lot of post-game content that it's more reading to be done. But, you know, you find like secret documents that expand upon the Reaper's world and the game and all that fun stuff. And then, of course, if you unlock everything, there's a super secret Square Enix dragon boss at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's. It's not a game that I would recommend to people. That's not what I... It's not a game that I would put you through, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I would... Um, I'd, you love me that much? I do. I'd like ask you to play the first game, perhaps. And then if you liked that, I would be like, you know what? Give it a shot. Like, you know, see if you can get into the second sure. one. But that's the thing. Like, these shallow reintroductions of these original characters may be just the experience that a new The World Ends With You player needs to get into the world, if that makes sense. Mm. Like, Neku being the hero from three years ago that saved the city. Like, you know what I mean? Maybe that's exactly what you need to, like... Like, for a new player? Yeah, for a new player. introduced to the world? Yeah, you don't need all the context. You can just kind of get the shallow outline that the that Neo... Blitz the world notes. Ends with yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I'm done talking about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't. It sounds. It sounds like it's in a precarious position. I mean, there are plenty of sequels that are in similar positions. I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. thinking of like Dark Souls Two. I didn't like when it first came out. Super Mario Bros. Two, at least the American one. 
It's not like, yeah. hey, if you love the first Mar- Super Mario Bros., check out Super Mario Bros. 2 because it's completely different. Yeah. Even though it's still like a worthwhile game in its own right. The world ends with you being in a unique, unique position given how long it's been since mm-hmm. the original came out. And yes. like over a decade later now, we're getting like this attempt at a sequel slash soft reboot is certainly a weird situation. But it I'm in in all this conversation, I'm I'm drawing a lot of parallels to No More Heroes 3 that I am again playing through right now. Hmm. Um that we'll hopefully talk about. Just in terms of like here's this franchise, I guess, that the original entry came out over a decade ago, uh-huh. a completely different generation. And here's this new entry in it that is coming out in an entirely new generation console generation yes but like generation of players and it's like is this is this a good enough entry point like could people Mm -hmm. start here like people are going to see no more heroes 3 on the shelves at targeted at best buy but not no more heroes 1 and 2 you know right well they are digitally on the switch which we which we'll get to eventually of course um but i mean yeah just and but like it's interesting because it's also teaching you the mechanics like the mechanics that are brought over from one and two, like it's the first time you're playing them, like right. you might have forgotten, even uh-huh. though, again, like they are available on the same platform. It's just interesting. Like this legacy series having a new entry is is a, a pretty new phenomenon, I feel like. Very well put. R- relatively recent one. Um, but also the attempts at like stylization, like hearing that this game is not very like stylish in its combat, which I feel like it should be. It has the right to be. It mm-hmm. is expected to be kind of. And No More Heroes is awesome style. So cool. I'm excited to talk about it. But anyway, uh, I'm hijacking your conclusion. Discussions about gameplay improvements or revamps or like what it could have been aside. I mean, do you think this will get another sequel? Like, does the plot leave like leave off enough for it? Do you care anymore as as a. As a player, a dedicated uh, fan, I guess, of the series. That's like, it. do you care if there's another one at this point? That's interesting. Um, I would play a third. The only thing, the the unfortunate thing, I think, is though that it's just it's become just a more casual game in general, a more casual series. Perhaps I would consider the DS game to be almost a hardcore game, just how difficult mm-hmm. it it could be at times and complex the battle system really was to master and. It wasn't just button mashing. It was just, it was precision incarnate. And it kind of started fading away as it evolved onto the phones and then the Switch and Final Remix. And now this newest Neo version is even more kind of casual and just button mashy. So I don't know. I, I would be interested in playing a third, but I can't see it going back to the more technical nature of even, you sure. know, like the Switch Final Remix of the original. If that makes sense. Because at this point, they would be... No, absolutely. Because, like, in a way, in a, in a marketing sort of sense, they would almost be, like, alienating this new set of fans if they, like, went back to some sort of complex... Exactly. ...gameplay like, system. I don't know who it's for anymore. Yeah, and that's... But I think it's weebs. <laughs> Undoubtedly. There's an anime now. It's, like, super, like, cutesy and, like, visual novel-y. Yeah. I'm telling you, dude. Like, it's for weebs now. And that's fine. And it, I mean, the, the original the one probably was, too. But yes, you were too young to tell. I was too young to tell. And I mean, you had a you had a poignant thought before <laughs> before the the weeb thing. But is um, weeb's derogatory? Yeah. Uh, a little bit. Like maybe. Like no. Kind of yes. No. Maybe. I don't know. Can you repeat the question? 
Um, not for me to decide. Anyway, poignant thought being, yes, you don't know who it's for. Because kind of what I alluded to earlier, if if it's in this weird, precarious limbo of like not quite a sequel and not quite a soft reboot, if it's not committing to either, then it's not for either audience. It's not for a new audience mm-hmm. because it's midway through a story or it's incorporating like story elements from the first one or like assuming you've played the first one in that regard by introducing by like bringing in those characters or events or, or alluding to them or what have you. But it's also not properly conveying itself as a sequel for the core audiences because it's watering itself down gameplay wise and because i don't know like you said like the the story might feel needless or something Mm -hmm. yeah you can't it it sounds like it's just like not pleasing either audience and that's why you don't know who it's for yeah because good question how much was it this was a this was a 60 dollar game full release i mean to be fair you got quite a few hours out of it yes oh i any game I spend like more than twenty hours on, dude, is like that's that's sixty dollars worth. Like seriously, I don't know. Sure, like, yeah, I feel it, that. It, that's and that's my value. Like you know what I mean. That's that's not universal. Don't apply that to your own life because I make sure it's a sixty dollars I want to spend. Right, I feel it. I feel you. Anyway, anyway, I'm tired of talking about anime games. Let's talk about let's talk weird about in sixty four games. You know what I would drop sixty dollars on. <laughs> You know, it's a $60 idea. What's that? Let's just have a Mario 64 platformer, but let's make it about his glove, huh? Dude. Sort of a minimalist approach. What do you mm-hmm. think? Is the glove Mario sized? That is a really good question. Tough to say, tough to tell. Seamless transition. Glover was released on the Nintendo 64 <laughs> in 1998. You remember that? You were like four. Wow. I remember I mean, the year 1998. <laughs> I don't remember the grand release of Glover for the Nintendo 64. Certainly. But it uh, rocked the gaming world, yes. the gaming sphere for good, and changed the gaming landscape That's right. for generations to come. But um, I do remember owning said Glover game for the N64 yeah, at some point. For certain. And we did. And then it was one of those games that like disappeared from our collection for some time somehow. But then I remember repurchasing it. The one we have is repurchased? I'm pretty sure. It's oh wow, that's I mean not that it doesn't matter too much, but I'm pretty sure, yeah, it's not the original one. It matters that we had, to like... me, that's sad. But go but oh. that's okay. Life will go on. <laughs> well, it sounds like the stakes are pretty high for you. But Yes, the ripe young year of 1998. It also came out on the PC. Mm-hmm. Like the the thing about this game that I kind of want to open up with is I feel like this game lives in the public consciousness in a weird way. Like it's like Mario is like number one, and then like a tier mm-hmm. below that is like Banjo Kazooie. Yeah. Um, I guess maybe if you want to like go universal, you could put like Crash Bandicoot and Spyro uh-huh. on there. Like you have like these iconic 3D platforming <laughs> franchises that are still around today, and that you kind of, but are essentially like emblematic of this time period, the late 90s, where like where these mascots were coming out. Right, right. But then like, but then like right below like Crash and Spyro, I feel like lives Glover. I feel uh-huh. like everybody remembers Glover. Yeah. Like but it's not a Nintendo. 
everybody i don't make like maybe i don't even i feel like people even people that didn't play glover like recognize glover uh-huh. and i'm like oh that's like a, a nintendo character <laughs> right but right. This, it was released simultaneously on the PC. Mm-hmm. It's not a Nintendo like original game. It's by Hasbro Interactive, mm-hmm. um, which I think got like acquired by Atari or something. And it also got a PlayStation One port like a year later. Yeah, 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 yeah. So not, all not to say, nearly th- a Nintendo character, but I know it's no, exactly what you all. mean. You think of it as being a N sixty four game, definitely, and like to the point that like I remember. Mostly during the Brawl generation, the Super Smash Bros. <laughs> Brawl generation. Like, I don't know, like when discussions were fervent about who was going to be in Super Smash Bros., I remember Glover's name being thrown around a lot. Heck yeah. Like, as like, because he was like another icon of that era. Yeah. But I don't know. He's, he's just like lives in a, because this again lives in a strange place in the public consciousness, but this is the only game. There are yeah. no other Glover games whatsoever for any other platform. This game has not been re-released at any point. It didn't get any sequels. And it didn't get any other media or anything. It didn't he, get it wasn't like a plan to adapt it into like a cartoon or anything, you know? He didn't appear it just in is what Diddy it is. Kong Racing. He didn't like Right, yeah. Just, no crossovers, no nothing. Which is why I feel like it's worth talking about today and especially as a nintendo because people because again people kind of misattribute it as like a nintendo unique game it's funny i i think i said that a lot of people must have owned this game but i think a lot of people probably rented this game that was the era of renting games and like the n64 and the playstation one blockbuster hollywood video like i bet a lot of people rented this game and were like what the hell this is going back a day earlier than it was supposed to (laughs) back back when we were back in the the mystical ninja starring gomon episode i remember that's something that we alluded to is like gomon is a character that like our generation remembers seeing on boxes at blockbuster it was a game that they never like that's that's a tier below Glover in that regard. In, right. As far as like that tier list I made goes, is like that's the game that people saw at Blockbuster but never bothered to rent. They just uh-huh. like, oh, that's that character. Glover, right. I feel like people did rent. Glover is a character that people feel like you could show people, they would be like, Oh, that's Glover because mm-hmm. he's a glove. The game cover, I feel like, is kind of iconic and recognizable. Yeah. But you're absolutely correct. This was a different time, a time where you could just try games. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people Yeah. People know Glover, all that to say, for like a for like almost no, almost no rational reason. People remember Glover, in spite of circumstance, more than so many other three D platformer mascots, more than Chameleon Twist, more than Buck Bumble, mm-hmm. more than Goemon. I don't know. That's that's all I mean. Is it? It's more ubiquitous than it really ought to be. Yeah, and that I would argue that that also, uh slips into like discussions about the quality of the gameplay which which we'll get into Mm -hmm. it's a it's a unique game it's a it's a 3d platformer as we've said it's like a mascot led 3d platformer i i would i guess in this case i would say that i've played it more recently than you but like what are what are some distinct memories you have with this game glover to me is yes a 3d platforming game where the main protagonist is, I believe his name is Glover. He is the white glove. So true. And he has a ball that he (laughs) rolls slash carries slash rides around the world. 
and uses as kind of his weapon or his it's kind of the the main gimmick of the game of sorts and mm-hmm. so you're you're going across these different worlds using your ball and your glove powers to question mark return i, I don't know i remember this like big <laughs> bad witch castle or something like that like a sorcerer uh-huh. you're trying to like i guess return the world to normal you're fairly on point. I'm still stuck on glove powers. You <laughs> use your glove powers to solve the world's problems. Um, he, he, he's a living glove. He's got some kind of powers. Sure. He is. He is fairly. He is fairly magical. Yes, being a mm-hmm. sentient glove. You're just about on the money. It's got this weird opening cinematic. There's this castle. It's like this cartoony fantasy land. There's a castle in the middle of it. There's a wizard that's making a potion, like a witch's brew, and it explodes in his face, and he turns into a stone statue, and both of his gloves fly off. Oh, um, wow. One landing in the witch's brew, and one kind of landing outside of the castle on the ground. The, the wizard becoming a stone statue, but both the gloves being sentient for like no real reason, other than like it's a wizard, and I guess they're magical. Yeah. Um, the, the glove that lands outside of the castle uh is glover he is the hero the protagonist the player character the mm-hmm. glove that lands in the witch's brew cauldron is turns evil and becomes cross stitch this like evil looking glove gray character. green with like a stitched yeah. mouth and like red glowing eyes like kind of yeah. creepy in essence but like in on n64 graphics just like looks like a gray green like pile of rocks Weird, cartoony, funny laugh, but like horrifying in in context soon enough. But um, yeah, there uh, something very important to note too. I feel like is that these are gloves; they're sentient gloves. You are playing as a glove. You are playing as a glove that is like walking on the fingers. That's right. Like he has two. He has two legs and two arms. So this wizard has like four fingers on each hand <laughs> and it's not even like in the natural like cartoon way where like every I mean, you know, like every cartoon character kind of has four fingers and they just kind of like you just kind of accept it. Right. It looks weird when the wizard is moving his hands uh-huh. like it looks like he has like two thumbs on both sides of his hands <laughs> and like two middle fingers kind of it's weird, but it is for the sake of to create this hero. Yeah. Anyway, this like colorful cartoony castle turns super dark and spooky. These crystals that are on top of the castle fly off before they can land on the ground. Glover zaps them with like a magical spell to turn them into bouncy balls yeah. so that they don't shatter. And they fall, They the bouncy balls bounce into like all these different realms um, that end up being like the worlds you explore. Nonsensical plot. That's very strange. so funny though. Because I remember, Do you remember this, this cutscene. Yeah, and you're filling in details though, like deeper into the cutscene. Because yes, yeah, and I mean, I feel like the plot is important. I mean, the pl- the plot's not really important. It's all mostly <laughs> just a setup to get you to a point to where you're playing as a glove, manipulating uh-huh. a bouncy ball, which is like the point of the game. That's what the plot is about. But the game is about being a glove and moving a bouncy ball around. Right. And most of that is just to get you to that point. But like the story. I don't know. The objective is important because the game is about being Glover and getting those bouncy balls from point A to point B in these like open 3D levels, but with a clear end point. Mm -hmm. It's in typical like 3D platformer fashion. There's like a big hub world that you enter into the different worlds from, but each world 
has three different stages within it. Is that right? There were three stages? Because, like, I, I can get a picture of several different, like, realms, worlds, as you said. But then, mm. like, you know, I can't remember quite how many stages there are within each one. Yeah, it's three and then a boss stage. Mm-hmm. And th- I feel like the reason that is is because, like, like, the first world you go to is, like, the Atlantis one. Right. Like, I feel like each of the stages in that world kind of blend together thematically. All the stages are, like, are, like, pretty open. They're very open 3d environments to like run around and jump around in but there is there is a goal point that you are trying to get the ball to right there's a there's a finishing point to the stage Mm -hmm. um with an obstacle course in between you and the end right and enemies as well actually yeah oh my ugh. yeah and so that's that's the point of the game it kind of has two different sets of controls you play as Glover, and like I said, he's like running around on two legs and two with like two legs and two arms. Like he controls like a regular like three D platforming game hero. Not much like momentum. He just kind of like runs around, and you can double jump, and you can crawl, and you can swim. Sort of very normal three D platformer stuff. But the distinction for Glover comes in when you are manipulating the bouncy ball, which is really the core gameplay. Yeah, when you approach the ball glover kind of snaps to it he kind of wraps himself around it like he's pushing it like Mm -hmm. with a hand like a glove he kind of like wraps himself around the side and at that point you're kind of controlling the ball itself and manipulating the ball is really where i feel like the is is the game's defining trait like it's the distinction it is besides gimmick about it yeah it's i mean it's the main gameplay mechanic i feel like it turns this 3d platformer into, into like a physics platformer <laughs> yeah kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. marble blast or um marble madness sort of but like more meticulous yeah absolutely you roll the ball around as glover you can hold b to slap it to give it a slap mm-hmm. to get it to cross a distance you can uh hold a to throw it to toss it kind of give it an upward arc to get it to kind of jump with it you have to tap a to kind of dribble it mm-hmm. you have to bounce it it's interesting it's all very very interesting very unique very uh laudable you can also transform the bouncy ball into different forms you can transform it into a bowling ball that like sinks in water normally the bouncy ball floats on water Mm -hmm. and glover kind of rides on top of it but the bowling ball sinks in water there's a metal ball that can be like magnetized you can turn it into the original crystal which breaks in like one hit but you get double points Ooh, i didn't know that yeah there is a point to the crystal did, uh-huh. did you think it was just like fragile yeah i yes i yeah. n- never understood the point of using it uh, on the way to the goal point that you're bringing the ball to in each level there's the like standard like coin ring mm-hmm. fruit what have you the collectible of the game it's called garib it's just like they're these little cards that you collect through each level the more garibs you get or i think if you get all garibs in a stage you get like a bonus stage or something Hmm. i'd say that's pretty much the conceit of the game in a nutshell the concept without getting into what i think works and what doesn't and so it's funny you mentioning like all the different balls and stuff because that kind of leads into just a question i have and my some of my defining memories of this game and that Mm -hmm. is I was young enough when first playing this game that I was a big user of CheatCodes.com and GameWinners.com and 
all sorts of fun little cheat code websites that I would print off and save up in my binder of cheat codes and Glover. Yeah, I forgot about game winners. Yes, dude. Yeah. Glover had cheat codes. Yeah, and that it is sure does. One of the strongest memories I have. And I was going to ask, are, so transforming the ball, that wasn't like something I was cheating to do? That That is oh, a no, key that's... gameplay mechanic? That's a core mechanic, yeah. There are cheat codes that turn the ball into other things. Right. Like, or like anti-gravity and like... Yeah, giant Glover and such. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there, there's a, there is a robust cheat code system. First of all, okay, the hub world, let's start with that, is this, like, the area surrounding the castle. It's very reminiscent of, like, Pe- the outside of Peach's castle mm-hmm. from Super Mario 64. Um, but this castle is kind of in a center and the entrances to all the worlds are kind of circling it mm-hmm. in this field. But when you start the game, it it feels like Silent Hill. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like the like crows are calling in the background. Like, is yes. there even music? No, kind of. There's like humming. Uh-huh. There's like this weird low hum. I mean, it's musical. It's like synth pads, mm-hmm. but it's like, no there it's barely something you should you could call like distinct music there are crows calling and that laugh that you were doing the cross stitches laugh like happens every like minute or so mm-hmm. and everything is dark it's like the sky is like red the n64 has like problems with rendering objects at a long distance like 3d <laughs> objects like it has a problem rendering large environments uh-huh. And kind of a trick for N64 games to use was to render fog, mm-hmm. a, a blanket of fog over the distance while things were rendering when you approach them, right? Yeah. And so this field was covered in a thick red fog mm-hmm. along with the red sky. Like it, it is desolate, it is barren. The sound design, the atmosphere is like impeccable. It's truly incredible, but it just is is a terrible, horrible foreboding start to a plucky yeah happy-go-lucky cartoon platformer horrifying it does not represent what's coming very well not at all not nor do i think like the first like that atlantis world i feel like is misleading for the rest of it too yeah but anyway all that to say you can you can enter a cave into the center castle where you can access the wizard statue and you at the end of each world you acquire the crystal that you take back to the main hub world the castle and you bring it to the wizard statue and that's how you like mark your progress Mm -hmm. uh you're collecting all these crystals as you return more crystals the hub world kind of clears up the sky clears up it becomes blue the grass is green uh the music starts to pick up after a little bit the further you progress the more you change in the hub world you mm-hmm. see so that is nice and like the world around the gates to these different levels like start to become more vibrant too yeah exactly but at the beginning and in all throughout the only real reprieve i would say that there is in the hub world is this weird chicken <laughs> bird uh-huh. do you know what i'm talking about yes this and all this all this is essential context for like how weird the game is but also to provide context to magnify all the way onto why the cheat code system is like robust and interesting this bird this there's like a tree with a swing on it and this weird chicken bird thing is sitting on the swing and it burps and it farts and it hiccups when you approach it 
And that's how the cheat code system works. Because when you pause the game, you can press the four different directional C buttons. And each of the C buttons corresponds to a different sound effect. Uh-huh. Do you remember that? Yes. Like, yes, I do. I forgot how weird it was and that it was fart noises and burp noises. And Yeah. You can certainly look them up on the internet. But, like, there's a weird, like, semi-organic way that it, like introduce like implements cheat codes uh-huh. into the game like it, it, it's as in like it's a way that you could like like the player can kind of almost figure it out on their own mm-hmm. like through context clues if you're feeling wily like i mean like this weird out of place chicken bird thing farting <laughs> and whatever and if you just happen to actually press right the down what the he's doing screen, yeah i mean like it's i mean it's kind of like if you think about it, it's kind of like playing the ocarina yeah in ocarina of time like it's memorizing those same sequences on the C button. Yeah, I don't know, corresponding to different sounds. Bizarre. Instead of playing an ocarina, you're playing a chicken's uh, gastrointestinal system. <laughs> anyway, that whole avenue is meant to circle back around into like, yes, your your memories with the cheat code system are extremely valid. It is mm-hmm. a distinct part of the game, among among other things. And it is how I experienced most of the game, to be perfectly honest as well. I recall using codes to unlock all the worlds, and I would kind of hop around sure. between the different levels, and like, it's a freaking hard game. And I was young enough as when this game came out that like, I don't think I beat any of these levels. I would kind of just tool around and play and see how far I could get, and then leave and go to the next level. And that is also extremely valid. That's kind of also where I'm going with this discussion is that this game should be applauded, respected. I mean, it should be remembered because it's unique and distinct. And it does a lot of things that other games did not at this time. And well, I suppose we have a lot of like physics kind of based platformers and such these days, but um. I don't know. I think this game deserves credit for what it tried to do, but it sits in this place where like it is hard. It's not fun to play. It's not yeah. fun to play. It's fun to play, but it's like the the mechanics work kind of. Mm-hmm. The throwing is what I think of as being just difficult to manage. It is. It's just the ball. You're not controlling the ball. The ball, I mean, the game is a basically a whole escort mission. <laughs> uh-huh. The the game is rife with normal obstacles for normal 3D platformers. It's got enemies, it's got bottomless pits. You there's a live system. If you run out of lives, then you have you get kicked out of the level and you have to start it over. Mm-hmm. It's got all the typical like 3D platformer trappings, but instead of just like normally dodging all the op- these obstacles, jumping over bottomless pits, you're escorting this fragile bouncy ball. This un—I mean, it's a bouncy ball. It bounces off of walls. It mm-hmm. like rolls around. If there, if you place it on a ramp, it will roll down it, and you'll lose <laughs> control of it. If even if you're like rolling it, like manually rolling it, like you're like you're controlling it, it you still have to fight the momentum of mm-hmm. ramps and and gravity. And like, there's a space level that is, has zero gravity at the end. The mechanics themselves are robust and they make sense, but the levels do not feel like they are designed to be fun right i don't encourage know. more play like right exactly that's to also illustrate the ball takes damage the oh, ball can wow. only take so many hits from enemies i forgot about that too yes if the ball falls like glover himself has three hearts and the ball itself can also t- only take so many hits 
and the ball is essentially your life system as well. Mm-hmm. If the ball falls down a bottomless pit, that's a life. If Glover <laughs> falls down a bottomless pit, that's a life. If you both fall down, that's a, that's a life. You know, mm-hmm. if the ball takes too many hits from these enemies that are persistent and are like homing in on the ball to to damage it, then I mean, after a couple hits, that's a life. Yeah, that's just kind of how it is. It's it's a the whole game ends up feeling like. Again, it's fun in concept. You're right. Like as a kid, it's fun to play around in these like big open worlds, bounce a ball around. Like it's just a fun physics system in its right. own right. But as far as like meticulously 3D platforming, manipulating this object mm-hmm. in a 3D space to a goal point with so many obstacles in your way, it is very, very tedious and meticulous. Yeah. A lot of the mm-hmm. time. Well, and it's funny talking about the fun and then me mentioning how I just used to world hop and pick the fun parts. Mm. I recall right, yeah. very clearly a circus level and uh-huh. one or two of those levels within the circus world, I guess, kind of had like fairground games for you to play. Yeah, like like carnival games. Carnival games, yes. Like shoot the ball through a basket, like hit the hammer, yeah. you know, hit the weight and like make the thing go to the top. And I... I spent so much time there, like actually just playing these dumb little kind of like mini games because like you said, the physics were awesome. Like it was a lot of fun. fun They're perfectly functional. Yeah. And fun to just mess around with and play around in Mm -hmm. the goofiest of all the levels that I could find, you know, the least punishing, the most quote unquote fun, I guess. Right. And to be fair, I mean, like that, those carnival levels are good because you actually do have to complete some of those little carnival games right. to beat that level yeah yeah to like unlock a key or whatever um to open the door to the goal uh-huh. yeah and that's and those are like fun uses of the ball mechanic of of glover being a glove mm-hmm. i think that's also something like generally just across the 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 scope of the game is like there's there's just not much innovation with using glover as a character I guess. Sure, yeah. Like him being a hand besides manipulating the ball and like a few like a, in the final boss Glover pilots a, a giant mech and he like <laughs> grabs like the handle for it, like the the like joystick for the mech. Uh-huh. And that's kind of like how he controls it. But like beyond like across the the span of the game, like there's not much like Glover is a hand and he's you doing hand things. You know. Right. And like and, and not much innovation with like the ball itself either it's just, it's just like obstacle courses mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's just getting this annoying physics object from point a to point b and avoiding all the death traps on the way was there a female glove at any point i don't know why i feel like yes but i also don't i was just think so i was just wondering like what is the motivation like i know he wants the the sorcerer back from being a statue and like but like i mean that's pretty much it yeah okay interesting yeah, you need to collect all the crystals that fell off of the castle, bring them to that the wizard statue, and that's what brings him back to life right. for whatever reason. And then the at the ending is yeah, like cross stitch is defeated, and he just like becomes a good glove again, and they're both just like fitted back onto the wizard's hands, and that's it. Hmm. Good times. But yes, one one thing that you mentioned quickly and to kind of bring things full circle again is yes you do remember the good parts the fun parts (laughs) and i think that's part of why we like it's still so prevalent Uh today like people are people still remember glover 
yeah is because it's so unique and there are parts of it that are so fun and memorable Mm -hmm. it stays in your brain but you only remember that especially like when it's such a distant memory right right but so few people have like actually bothered to play it these days to like give it an actual shot yeah that if glover ever did get a modern like remaster re-release which i again because it like is in the public conscious i feel like it couldn't be far off from being sure i feel like it would not be received super well yeah i don't think it is like has aged as like a great game in its own right it is a landmark a, of sorts, but like not definitely something that would necessarily be enjoyed if it was resurrected. I mean, it, and it's certainly again, it's distinct. Like it's it stands apart from Mario sixty four and Banjo Kazooie for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like it it plays differently and it has a different. It has a distinct identity. Yeah, but as far as quality, as far as yeah, I don't know. As far as quality goes, I guess. If you want to call, if you want to refer to it as quality, because I think it's generally a well-made. The music slaps. the The soundtrack is awesome. Does it? I don't recall. You remember the main theme that. Okay. Yeah, you're right. That one's good. Yeah, yeah. It's got some kick-ass music, and 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 the presentation is generally cool. The mm-hmm. worlds are super colorful and and bright. Yeah. Aside from the horrifying Overworld. Silent Hill hub world, yeah. But even that's effective. That's memorable. Uh-huh. That's it. That is scary on purpose. If if a little gratuitously so. Sure. Yeah. It's it's. This is controversial, but I feel about Glover the same way I feel about Super Mario Sunshine. Wow. In that it has like stylistic merit, mm-hmm. artistic merit. It deserves to exist. Mm. It has fun mechanics. It is a memorable distinct unique game and deserves its place in the canon mm-hmm. but you know it's just like when you try to play through it it's just not a ton of fun to yeah. to slog through that's fair it's one of those kind of like n- negative ends of the nostalgia meter like yeah like it feels good to to talk about it and think about it but maybe playing it isn't quite as good as you remembered certainly and I, and it's hard to gauge too because i feel like it's not fair to say that it didn't age well or something. Uh-huh. I feel like the flaws in its design were inherent from the beginning. Based and on haven't... its, its yeah, premise. Yeah, no, like nothing, right, nothing's changed. Like like we said, like the physics still work great. Mm-hmm. Like they work, they, they're functional, they make sense. Yeah. Um, it's just like the the level design and stuff around it is, is what didn't and still wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. There was a Glover sequel that was planned and was like almost through development, but it got canceled uh, because Hasbro Interactive went under uh, for whatever reason. Tragic. And that it's truly, yeah, because I mean, like there's potential like I would I mean, again, I think like a remaster of the original Glover might not go over so well. But I mean, I think there's potential enough to like explore this kind of gameplay again. Just yeah. like I don't know. I, I think of like Marvel Madness or like super monkey ball like things yeah. that you and even billy hatcher uh, mm-hmm. billy hatcher obviously i mean similar in concept but using a lot less uh a lot fewer problems with physics in the right. way in that game fewer um, physics mechanics yeah certainly i don't know just other ball rolling games <laughs> the ball rolling genre yeah katamari damasi mm-hmm. 
games that have done similar things. I don't know. I think Glover could be perfected someday if mm-hmm. someone were were to ever take a true crack at it. To me, I envision it as like you know, ukulele was like some kind of weird banjo kazooie spiritual mm-hmm. successor. There's gonna be like a Fister, like some indie developer. You know what I mean? They're gonna call it like something weird and like. That's what I was thinking. Glover, but like, I, tangential. But Glover is such a unique, identifiable thing. Like you can't get a like, but a can, disembodied hand pushing a ball around. Like I, I like. But who I don't owns think you it? Get a. I'm not sure who owns the rights, but I I don't know. I like I I it's. Well, here's but, hoping. Anyway, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, Glover for Smash, all is is all I'm Amen. saying. Been saying it for years. We only got one character left. It's gotta be. It's gotta be the G man. That's right. Yeah. Any. I mean, <laughs> anything else you want to say about Glover? Does it belong in the Nintendo Gems Hall of Fame? Have I convinced you, or dissuaded you, or had you forced you to think about it more than you thought you should or would, or could? Well, you brought you brought all of the above. Kind of all of the above, to be perfectly honest. You brought a great, like, mature approach to it <laughs> that I had. You know what I mean? I, I've. <laughs> I'd a sobering say, approach. Yeah, I'd say I probably touched Glover 10 years ago before I graduated high school or something like that. And like, so, I mean, it, it's a, it's still a distant memory. And I don't know, you 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 made you make me want to play it for 10 minutes. That's the and that's the thing It's like it's worth playing. It's worth looking at. It's yeah. worth examining. Experiencing. But like, once you get to like the second world, you're kind of tired of yeah, it. Yeah, and that's fine. I think that's okay. It deserves better. Get hit it on the eShop, you know, <laughs> and for five bucks, and that'll be great. By the time this episode yeah. airs or whatever, yeah, yeah, we'll see. The future of Glover, I I hope is bright. Me too. Well, all right, guys. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Whoo, wild games. Polarizing games. Yeah, I'd have yes. to say interesting conversation today but I'm, I'm glad we talked about both games both are fun for certain if you are not following us on instagram facebook or subscribe to whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now please make sure you do so we want to talk to you we want to hear what you're playing and we want you to stay informed of our new episodes you are probably hearing some outro music fade in at this point. Uh, that was composed by me. If you would like to hear my other musical ventures, you can go to weave.bandcamp.com. That's W-E-A-V. Or search Weave on your favorite music streaming platform. All right, guys. One last time, we appreciate you hanging out with us. My name is Brayden. And I am Connor. And this has been Nintendo Gems. We will see you next time. Love you. <laughs>